during the summer, you said to me, are we just going to go through this season again, just passing the ball in straight lines through the midfield and the opposition aren't going to be able to stop it? And we've got the answer nine games in, Conan. Yes, we are. We're just going to pass the ball into our midfielders who are going to be in 10 yards of space and they're going to look to play it to Ollie Watkins or Musa Diaby. It's ridiculous. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And I chalked the line, sat down the cold. I'm not really a man for New Year's resolutions. But but I'm giving myself a resolution to complete before the end of the year because I think it's the only way to set not just me, everybody off properly into 2024. I'm gonna spend the next two and a half months compiling a montage of Unai Emery walking off the pitch after Aston Villa have just laid waste to another team. Unai Emery bouncing off the pitch as if to say, job done, that's what I wanted, let's fucking go again. Yeah, it's incredible. I was actually just thinking there, I'm going to have to spend the next couple of years of my life trying to convince the wife to name our child Emery. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna have to happen. <laughs> somebody, somebody texts me this during the week. I, don't, I think it might have been my friend Steve. Just texts me saying, "You're going to name your child Unai, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> How do you think those conversations are going to go with your wife? Like, I think she might acquiesce to this. I mean, like, wait, like, the, like the happiness. Surely, surely, it's noted in all the houses all over the countries that support Aston Villa, that these people who are giving up their lives and their emotions and everything about their week is, is, is markedly improved. Everybody's just so much happier. Like, I, I watched the game today, and my wife didn't even notice that Villa won 4 one She sat in the living room. She like <laughs> I was sitting in peace, celebrating the all time. She was busy and distracted herself. But like she probably just assumed that something had gone wrong along the way. I was like, no, 4-1. Like, we're, two, we're two points off Man City. We're two points off Man City. We're a point off Champions League. Get used to it. Get used to it, love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And earlier in the week, I think I texted you, you know, you'd almost have to respect Moyes on the other side of it when, when you look at what he's done in the last four years and you know saving West Ham from relegation, then finishing sixth, then finishing seventh. And getting to the Europa League semi-final that year as well. And then winning the Conference League the following year. Like, you know, I respect... I even respect the fact that he went to Real Sociedad. I mean, that that didn't work out that well. But I respect the fact that he did it and that he had a bag of crisps in the stand. Like, I, I love <laughs> I love the fact that he has had more comparative success than Man United have had since they bombed him out. <laughs> but, but then you remember he's a bit of a prick as well. And then the respect kind of ebbs away. You remember he's... He's just a competent Sean Dice. You remember that he's the type of man who would make Kurtzuma his captain. So I feel a little bit conflicted, you know, much like David Moyes' previous captain, IRA supporting Englishman, Declan Rice. I'm confused by David Moyes' legacy. But then but then I watch his team, and this is what we don't have. I watch his team and the fog lifts. Oh, you're just gonna dink it over the top and try to keep it tight. Like you know we play a high line. Well done. Like to be fair, it looks like all he watched was how we defend. So, so he was really intent on scoring, maybe, because he hadn't a fucking clue how we play in possession anyway, which is perfectly consistent with everything we've learned about David Moyes. Like a time a year into the development of Man City's inverted fullback system, 
Moise, have you ever seen it before? You couldn't fucking move about bumping into one of your pals in the media, standing with their lad in their hand, talking about Yao Cancelo. Man, say you were on the telly about 40 times in that period. Never mind the fact he has to play them twice a year, so he might have a passing interest in how the fucking champions play. And this is the direct contrast. David Moyes is a terrible manager, has been getting good results. Aston Villa plays such exhilarating football on the ball that it's just so much better. And it's it's unbelievable how much excitement there is now whenever you see Aston Villa are playing against a team at home who aren't the two or three best teams in the country. You just know we're going to win. It's fucking ridiculous. It's crazy. That, that's 10-2 on aggregate against the two... The great pretenders. I mean, I mean, we talk about a top ten now. The league has gotten so strong because people are including Chelsea in this top ten. But <laughs> West Ham, Brighton, and Villa—it's fair to say they're they're the, the the disruptors. They're trying to disrupt this top four, they're trying to get into the Champions League, and they all have a a good chance of doing it. They all have good squads, but Villa have just spanked the two of them ten two in respective games at Villa Park. Ten two. <laughs> What? What? And you know, you know, I rep David Moyes. I am a fan. Like one thing you left out there in that list of of achievements that he underwent at West Ham, you know, from saving them to Europe to winning Europe, is that they sacked him in the middle of that. You know, they they onboarded David Moyes, save our soul, and he did. And then they're like, "Thanks for that. Get out of here. We want somebody sexier." And then they turned back to him. They turned back to David Moyes and said, "Actually, you know what? We were wrong." come back and he came back he swallowed his pride and he went back and took them took them on even further but you're right about the style of play then because as much as I rep him from afar I, I had that same thought I don't think I would want David Moyes managing my team especially like I, I don't think I want to watch football again if it, when you and I Emery leaves Aston Villa in 20 years time like I don't <laughs> what, like, what, like, it honestly he's ruined, he's ruined me for any other manager to come in forever and like there, a stat flashed up in that first half that said it was the possession stat but it also had touches in the box it had shots all, all, all the stuff of general play and Peter Drury said but that that won't bother David Moyes too much you know playing away from home blah 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 and I was thinking why wouldn't it bother him well, it's, it's not just that Villa have the ball to Villa or getting into the box over and over again and Villa are getting shots off over and over again. Why would that not bother him that this is a matter of time and this is exactly what happened with the first goal because we, we kept seeing boys dropping into number 10. Take, wait, what? Like, I'm not surprised. I shouldn't be surprised with that Man City example you pointed out, but why are they, why were they not prepared seemingly for Zaniolo, Diaby, McGinn just dropping here, gave it to me up here, look. There's loads of space. I'll turn around now and then pick out her forwards. What, what were they expecting? And this one, it's, it's Diaby that gets into it. It's actually a lovely ball from Torres to Diaby. He does pick out those passes really well. Diaby turns. Bad ball to Watkins. <laughs> and then Watkins gives it to Zaniolo. And it's a bit of it's a bit of a Grealish move, let's be honest. He draws the two defenders. He takes him, takes him a little walk, pulls it back. And you're... I don't know, were you a bit frustrated that Watkins didn't get space for a shot? He was a bit too lethargic on the ball. Tease up Douglas Louise. The rest is history. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, that goal was coming more than a teenager with a lock on his bedroom door. I mean, the, pass, the pass from Torres straight through the middle starts it off. It's great. It's aggressive. It's accurate. It's clinical. And it was fucking on all half. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And then Diaby fucks it all up. You think... 
But then they work it so well after that overhead pass from Diaby. Like even down to the decision for Watkins and Zaniolo to swap positions. Yeah. It's just so clever, so methodical. You take it here, I'll get back in the box. I'm the centre forward. And it's a great ball from Zaniolo. An even better one from Watkins. I was frustrated. It seemed to get caught under his feet. But who cares if he makes up for it so cleverly by rolling it out to the doggy and then fucking the aptly named Ariola makes an absolute tit of himself. Like not just the not just the concession of the goal. Like he's lying on the ground then looking up as if to say, I can't believe he deflected that. There's fucking six bo- bodies in the box. Six Aston Villa bodies in the box. There's about ten people in the box. You can be expecting a deflection. The guy was about ten yards out, and there was no power on Douglas Louise's shot either before or after the deflection, and it moved about fucking two inches to Ariola's right, the direction he was already going. He can't be fucking looking at the defender and blaming him. Yeah, well, Douglas Louise was only getting started because the second goal wasn't far away, and Ezra Conza. Like Lucas Paqueta, I don't know what he's doing there. The ball gets like this is the winner of the Peter Enkelman What the fuck award if we were ever doing it for the opposition team? But it just rolls it into nobody. Konza cuts in, cuts across the defender, wins wins the penalty, and Douglas Awe steps up. I mean, it's actually funny because this started, I think, with the crowd being a bit annoyed at the the corner being worked the way it was, but definitely got it back thanks to Lucas Paqueta. And then Sky were at pains to point out what a good process it was from the <laughs> linesman and the referee just to stay calm. And then Douglas Louise, I mean, against all teams, aren't you just happy? I think this happened against West Ham did it the last time we played him, but he inged it straight down the middle, head down, hit that bad boy down the middle, hope the keeper gets it away. <laughs> he must have just seen Danny Ing sitting on the bench as he was walking up to take it but you're right it's absolutely dreadful from Paqueta and then poor Jamie Carragher I'm pretty sure it was Carragher anyway I know Peter Drury was pretty confident it was Gary Neville but poor, poor Jamie had to spend the next 30 seconds after the goal justifying the fact that he had spent the previous 50 minutes talking about Paqueta like he was fucking messy Carragher was treating him like the refs were treating Messi at the World Cup. It was absolutely insane. And the ball went six times. Who does this Paqueta lad think he is as well? The fucking yeah. first goal, we didn't even mention it. He was just watching Douglas Louise run past him. And when he eventually when he eventually turns around, he doesn't react at all. Like, he wouldn't have been able to do anything. But there wasn't even a little, oh, fuck, you know, jolt movement towards the lad who's about to spank the ball into your net. But then I realised, of course there wasn't. This probably happens to him five or six times a day at fucking training, the lazy little prick. <laughs> These guys were only creaming over Paqueta because of the rumour that City tried to sign him in the summer. Honestly, <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, what is going on? His profile has just risen because like, oh, Man City are interested. And now like, everything he did, I, I know, I think it was Zaniolo, he not makes, but Jesus, Sufal, not make Zaniolo. Zaniolo lived by the nutmeg. <laughs> lived by the nutmeg, died by the nutmeg. Zaniolo respects that. And he didn't even nutmeg him, he just passed it out and it went under his legs. It wasn't like, like Sufal actually went around the other side and got it. But, and, and then like, that was one of them that they were like, oh my God, Paqueta. And then the other one was, he was just, he was just trying to get the ball back to his left back. He was making his way from the centre, trying to get it back to the left back. He's like, who cares? Like, where, where's he gone? Like, a bit of nice footwork to get away from the midfielder who's happy for him to go in that direction. And like, that's that's what he did for that game. And it was, just, oh my, like this guy, we need to start talking about this boy now because because what if Man City get him? What if Man City add him to their bench? Like, this would be incredible. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was absolutely insane. There was one moment as well where he, Zaniola knocked the ball over his head and then he reached back in and knocked it over Zaniolo's head. Live by the knock over the head, die by the knock over the head. Skinning <laughs> Zaniolo isn't a fucking achievement for fuck's sake. Uh, where did we put the list called only Aston Villa can see that goal? I need to dig this one out. I feel like I'm taking it out every fucking week. And I was so pissed off. Like It's just, it's just so, it's so unfair. Just hammer a team. And then someone takes a shit shot that's either trickling wide or going to be controlled by Emmy Martin as his left foot. And it just deflects to the other side of the net. Peter Drury loves it. Jamie Carragher said twice there was a little bit of luck involved. <laughs> a little bit of luck. Fuck's sake, and then West Hammer back in the game, and we are just under the pump for 15 minutes because of this. Yeah, it was like if it was anybody but Jared Bowen as well, we know they're not going to say it. it was a little, Jamie, a little, a little bit of luck. Jared Bowen's shot was so bad, he should have been fucking taken off. Like, <laughs> he's, he's had a spank from the corner of the box with three players in front of him, and if they weren't there, he would have had to give his fucking shirt to the steward behind the goal after the game because it was going to hit him in the back of the head. It was dreadful, and it just ends up in our net. Oh, and then things are so manic, and these boys need to learn, right? Because it is annoying how you can just hammer a team, right? And Douglas Luiz Kamara looking so good, so in control, and it's like. Why, why have we stopped doing this? Just get the ball to those boys and then you get the ball to number 10. And and, like, and these boys need to learn whenever Watkins and, and especially Watkins and Diaby are running, just put the ball in front of them. Like, to relax. They'll win the ball. Just put it in front of them. And it wasn't until they finally did that that things calmed down again. And just like, you know, I, I am... I, <laughs> I am repping Pau Torres, right? I rep him. <laughs> but... But this this ball that he keeps trying, this left here, like I don't know what's going to happen if it eventually makes it out towards. I, I assume Matt Cash, this left to right diagonal ball that he's trying to our halfway line sideline. It seems like I know what's going to happen. Una Emery's going to stop the ball under his foot and say, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> but he tried it a couple of times, cut out a couple of times. This one gets cut out, but big John McGinn is there anyway, and, and then pitching wage McGinn comes into. Comes into glorious flow. This, like this, this ability of his just to chip that ball over the top and into Watkins' stride. Step over gorgeous. And the finish. The finish just roofed it into. The, oh my God. Left foot. You said this before about why does he not just go onto his left foot more? And I think they were mentioning on commentary. Like Zuma was sort of giving him his left foot. And I was like, all right, let, let's see how you fancy that. How, how do you like that now? Like, that, that's unbelievable. I think this goal was so good. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that you're talking about Douglas Louise there because I think the winner if of the John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him award this week, has to be Unai Emery after the game when he was asked about Douglas Louise's performance and how good he is. And he said he has to be, I expect more from him. He has to be better in the second half whenever whenever we're under the cosh. Or sorry, whenever we're 2 0 up, he just he got a bit loose. And that mm. is exactly what happened. He got a little bit cocky and he started playing passes that weren't done, wasn't communicating with his teammates the way he should be, wasn't controlling the game the way he fucking can, the way he had just demonstrated for the previous 50 minutes. And that was really the turning of the game. It wasn't just Bowen's shit shot. And it's an absolutely brilliant ball from Torres into Kudis, who drops it off gorgeously to begin then. And it's just 
it's it's it is actually hilarious that the winning of that game came from the one time we tried what David Moyes had built his whole fucking weekend around. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolutely gorgeous drop over the top, and you're right, Zuma is expecting him to come inside, but it's the little shuffle from from uh, Watkins as well. The lollipop gives him that split second just to get the shot away because Zuma does quite well to recover and get back out to him but he just can't get there close enough because he's been sold on the inside and it's an absolutely ridiculous finish I don't even think the keeper turns back around he just knows what's happened yeah it's good to have I think this might have been our first game with Peter Drury on commentary I can I can see why everybody creams himself when Peter Drury is is calling a goal that's just gone and he, he does get it right he gets it yeah right he reason. calls he calls a goal right but I don't think he understands all the words that he's using <laughs> just a couple of the adjectives he called Zaniolo a very angular footballer what does that mean I don't know I'm going to let that one sit with me I don't think I completely disagree with it right now I'll come back to you on that one but, but Peter Drury did remind me of the international game he talked about walking scoring well he said stealing a goal and he, he was at pains to let Jack Grealish know that it was this reminded me of Jack Grealish did Jack Grealish actually think he got a ball on target from a shot. Well, not about three years. What world is he living in? He, like, he actually seems a bit pissed off at Watkins. Like, it's obviously going wide, mate. You've lashed your foot at it and it's going wide and I've saved you. I've given you an assist that you weren't looking for. Yeah, their careers are going in two different trajectories at the minute. So maybe that's why Jack Grealish was a little bit grumpy. You mentioned uh, step over, though. I mean, this was just a... Uh... This was just a curtain raiser for the main step over because <laughs> Leon Bailey, I mean, give you and I Emery a project and watch that boy get to work. I mean, just show me, show me a footballer that's down in confidence, that's lost their form, that's just not playing as well as he once played. And I'll show you a footballer that's not being coached by you and I Emery because here comes <laughs> Leon Bailey, the man we thought we had signed, man who's having a good season and he comes on. And I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna anoint a Paul Merson that is just filthy award, this has to be it. I mean we're just knocking it around so well at this stage, we're three one up. It's a crisp pass from Telemans into Bailey's touch is nice, takes it on this path, which lets him do that step over that sends Per Aguero away for a Mars bar to the shop. I mean, he actually looked quite fast as well, that defender. I think he was so keen to show off, I can, I can keep up with Bailey, but actually Bailey's gone the other way, pal. And Bailey just looks so easy, gets it onto his left amount of space, lifts it into the top corner and reels away. Because what what else would you expect? <laughs> he gets up to win the to win the header to recycle the ball as well. Just in He's the, really the good in the air. Like I've seen this <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you're right, Telemans and Kamara slow it down to let the fucking West Ham backline go into standby mode again. And it's a lovely little punch from Telemans. But this is all about Leon Bailey. I mean, you give him the appropriate build up there. It's just three or four touches of magic. The aggression of the touch on the half turn. He wants to go to goal as that ball's coming into him. And then, oh my God, I'd say Aguero's still out there looking for Bailey. I think they'll have to turn on the fucking sprinklers to get him off the pitch. And the finish is lethal. And that is a lot of words there that I wouldn't have traditionally associated with Leon Bailey. But I really think he looks like a different player this year. I don't think he's been brilliant, but he's playing differently. He's running differently. He's making better decisions. He's getting his head up and he's putting it down at the right moment when he needs to. Like, I'm not saying he's true to the future, but I think he definitely has a better future than I would have guessed at the start of the season. Yeah, 
I, th- I know we used to play together, but I do think Diaby's a good influence because he is just a more complete, consistent version of Bailey. And it, like, actually, sometimes to a fault, I think Diaby does the right thing too often. <laughs> you know, he takes a does the time. right thing too often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it there for a dig myself into a hole. We'll come back on WhatsApp, wouldn't you? The Villa Podcast win ratio is second to none. Only one week's wage is fine to hand out this week. And it's for the John McGinn shot. And it's Niccolo Zaniolo. <laughs> this, was, this was John Duran stuff. Remember John Duran likes getting the ball in that position? Just lashing a foot at it. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, this was not on. Terrible execution. Bad idea. Bad finish. All the things we abhor, really, wasn't it? And it came straight after he uh, had just fucked up a cross as well. And I think that was playing on his mind. I think he was desperate to make an impact, which he always seems to be a little of. And if I was in I Emery, that's what I'd be working on over the next couple of weeks and a couple of months with Zaniolo. Was trying to keep. Trying to keep the calmness in his game. Like mm. the way Ollie Watkins doesn't seem as annoyed whenever he misses anymore. I think that's something that has to be worked on with Zaniolo. Like he you can't you're not gonna make up for something that went wrong by doing something shit afterwards. You're not gonna fucking roof one from forty five yards. What are the percentages of that? And not only that, he could have carried that ball further in. He should have shot as soon as he got it. He'd have ten yards of space in front of him. Seeing as we're in WhatsApp winges, and you did mention it, <laughs> I know it's more effective for him, but I don't know how much I like Ollie Watkins not seeming to care when he misses big chances. <laughs> <laughs> it's better. I don't want to keep that. Like, and I know he's got the feeling of, ah, we'll come round again, and that's great, but it's not either. It's not. <laughs> but it's, it's not like he's thinking beforehand, I can afford to miss this. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting. It's like, oh well, you know, I'll just have to wait another few minutes to get me goal. No, no, you can see he was annoyed. He pulled his shirt up over his head and he's pulled it straight back down and got back in the zone. You fucking oh, nutcase. I wasn't fucking happy. Seeing with as me. you brought, I didn't bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> the Abbey assist, fantasy football, down the drain. Anyway, first, WhatsApp winch. I'm so happy, so happy that we got to see that piece of filth from Nicolo Zaniolo. Through the facial expression of Diaby, because the camera wouldn't come off him. <laughs> what the hell was going on? And it was more annoying because the crowd—you could hear the crowd. You could hear him getting excited. Something was happening. We saw we saw Diaby look pissed off, and then look excited, and then look pissed off, and we could hear the crowd. And I was just showing Diaby the whole time. Show the ma- honestly. Does this just happen in Villa matches? Add this to the list as well. You know, only in a Villa match do the camera. Does the director fall asleep? Forgets to change the cameraman. <laughs> Not only can we hear the crowd getting excited, we can hear your fucking hero, Peter Drury, about to explode as well as as, he, as every time somebody's got the ball in the box. <laughs> the second WhatsApp winch. I know, I know there has been a lot of bad decisions in the Premier League this season from <laughs> officials, but I think David Coote's decision. <laughs> To let that free kick be taken where it was <laughs> is the worst one. And I'm being serious. I think that was the worst one. He just stopped the game for a VAR check and he had three Villa players saying that to him. It's like, you know they were looking to see if it was handball in the box. But not only not only was Ward Price more central as well than where it should have been, where he gave the free, he was about five yards back. And the ref just 
so slighted at the fact that anybody would question him. It was like, fuck off, I'm in charge here. And he was happy to go with the wrong decision. He knew it was the wrong decision, but he, he didn't. Like, he, was, he was presented with, he was presented now with two choices to either give in to Matt Cash or to, to make the wrong decision. And he went with make the wrong decision because he doesn't want to give in to Matt Cash. Yeah, I, th- I think you're. Pre- I think you're presenting David Coots. Bizarrely enough, I think you're presenting him in a really kind light. There, I mean, that wasn't based on him being arrogant, saying "fuck off, don't question my authority." That was him just being so fragile that he couldn't possibly see anybody having his authority questioned on the pitch. It was fucking pathetic. How fucking stupid is he to originally make the mistake? It's not like it was a cauldron. It's not like he was one of the players. It's not like his head was gone. You're the referee. The game has been stopped for about a minute and a half. Fucking put the ball in the right position. Christ almighty, mate. Yeah. A minute and a half for the very reason of where the ball was actually... <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have been clear. And I can't, I actually can't believe that, you know, we, we heard some of the the audio coming out from, from all these different uh, circumstances. Howard Webb likes to appear every so often and, and he shows the good processes as well. And... <laughs> You know, one of them was a brilliant example. Was this was peak Jared Gillett, the the the, the leg breaker on Luca Dean, the one that Gusto got sent off for in the Villa Chelsea match, and <laughs> we thought this was a we thought this was just a funny thing that we were going along with. You know, like creating this character of Jared Gillett, although it was based on what we're seeing on the pitch as well. But he actually <laughs> says it. He says tackles fine. Tackles, fine. <laughs> he just called tackles. No idea. He's twenty thirty meters away, and the ref and the fourth official or the linesman, and the fourth official, are apoplectic in his ears. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jared, you might have gotten that one wrong. Like we've just seen somebody's leg almost snap in half. I can't believe that nobody in this instant, from the fourth official to the linesman to even the VAR, would say, "Here, mate, do you want me to check where that ball's sitting?" Because it yeah, was definitely on the line. I'm a bit annoyed about that Jared Gill thing. Like I thought I had created this hilarious fictional character, but it turns out I was just writing a fucking history book that I didn't realise. <laughs> the third and final WhatsApp winch probably has an age as well, considering he, he won the penalty. But is there any point in Konza going up for corners? <laughs> <laughs> this is getting to Rio Ferdinand levels now it's just like yeah like you're a big presence you're going to get your head on it you're going to get your foot on it are you ever going to score though <laughs> but like it is interesting that in the season where Ezra Conza is finally looking more and more like Rio Ferdinand that he is uh becoming more and more like Rio Ferdinand that every respect of his fucking game it's unbelievable and that one that dropped over the top to him where it, it comes on to him at the back post. I know it's dropping over a lot of heads, so it's tough. But surely this was the set play. Like, they must have practiced this. Every Collins is in 10 yards of space at the back post. John McGinn has dr- floated it over the back post right onto your foot. That's what we were all trying to have happen here. That's why all the players are bunched in the middle of the goals to give you that space. How can you not react now, Ezri? Yeah. Per Esri, I am because I don't like criticizing Esri Kanza. I'm going to elevate, I'm going to bring forward the Paul Merson that is just filthy award right now before we move into the rest of them just to talk about one final nomination. So we have the Nicolo Zaniolo bit of magic that we missed really because we were watching Diaby's face instead. (laughs) (laughs) We have the Leon Bailey goal which is probably the winner and the only other nomination. It's twofold really but it's Esri Kanza in the corner. I mean this is good enough the way he beats the tackler and he does this so well. He carries the ball out really well but he's taking the ball into 
basically the depths of right back he gets away from the tackle i think it's antonio he was just he made antonio look like a child today it was mad and he was antonio looked defeated from very early on he didn't it, it was Kanza was too fast Kanza seemed too strong for him it, it was class but then he just beat him again and he the ball to Watkins is just lovely and obviously Watkins is touched then to Bailey is class and Bailey says Watkins away and then it breaks down in the box but that like that Watkins touch and the Kanza bit of play in the corner was just magic it was absolutely beautiful and the, in the first half as well or sorry the very start of the game where Kanza just steps out from the box of a little shuffle you know right foot to left foot and he's carrying the ball out then and west ham thought they had a press on for the first time in the game and just all of a sudden cons just got 20 yards of space in front of him and i think he tries to put diaby in down the line it was it was gorgeous and it was very clear from the start that you were that we were going to see a brilliant performance from Kanza. he just looked like he was absolutely on it and at the risk of sounding like you don't sleep on that antonio performance that is under the radar one of the worst performances <laughs> i have ever seen from a professional footballer he was fucking diabolical everything that man did was terrible there was one time where he got he got what he wanted he got Pau torres one-on-one and of course they ran past him he swings the ball in far too hard just to, i think ward price is the edge of the box there's one lad coming in but it's whipped way past him matt cash knocks it out for a corner he loves that knocking it out for a corner on the big pressure <laughs> but it was antonio was terrible you're right he looked defeated and then there was one stage in the second half where he just came barreling out jumped off a shoulder into Kanza's back as Kanza's about to kick the ball and of course David Coots give a free kick and he fucking slams the ball down as if he didn't just jump into Kanza's back with his shoulder <laughs> it was ridiculous <laughs> it, but there was one sorry there was another one as well where he's out in the wing he has the ball under no pressure and Kanza's just stepped off him because he knows in his head now he knows he's not going to run at him and he didn't he turned around tried to play it back to his fullback under no pressure and just ran the ball out of play just toe poked it out of play it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> apt that it was in whatsapp winges because Antonio actually made that game less watchable if that was possible but it was a very watchable game on the whole so we'll uh, put up with an opposition player being terrible and <laughs> we'll leave it there and we'll come back with the rest of the award categories after this all these right get over it it's Aston Villa FC not Jack Grealish FC get a fucking grip <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. I mean, we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, Come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Let's go to the Ronnie Rosenthal Award to start things off. And you were slagging Ariola, but this was some save from the Douglas Louise shot. I mean, it was Martinez-esque. Brilliant save. <laughs> Great shot from Dougie Louise. And he got up really well. Good hand on it. Good save. Yeah, Douglas Louise 
does brilliantly to show the composure as well to give himself that a bit of cover from the West Ham defence by putting his studs on the ball and rolling it out and he's able to bend it around the player. But actually, I think that gives Ariola probably a chance to set himself. Gives Douglas O'Ee's a better shot on goal, so it's hard to say if he did the right thing or not. Didn't go in, so probably not. Yeah, but Douglas Louise, Douglas gets your foot on the ball. Louise just likes to get those studs on the ball, so <laughs> can't take that out of his game. Uh, you mentioned the Collins one from the McGinn corner. He just let the ball hit off his right foot. It was so annoying. He didn't, he didn't try to kick it. He just let it hit off his foot. And then Jared Bowen tried one straight from a throw-in, just sort of spinning around. Martinez, simple enough save. But they loved it. They loved that one on Sky Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was another off oh, the one that, that you're defending Ollie Watkins for. I mean, Diaby plays it into him. It's a lovely first touch from Ollie Watkins, and he it's bouncing up and he pulls it wide. Ah, uh, this was quite annoying. And after after another lovely ball as well from Torres to Dean. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a two hundred million pound striker in there just dying to get out of it. <laughs> Ollie Watkins. <laughs> if he started converting a few more of these chances, Christ Almighty, the pia- the pass from Diaby is absolutely brilliant as well. It's so unexpected. It's one of those passes that tells the centre forward exactly what he's gonna do as well. Fortunately, Ollie Watkins wasn't really listening. The touch, the touch is brilliant. The finish is dreadful. Kanza again, ball bouncing up for him at the back side of the box, and I mean the shot goes out for a it goes out. Actually, we keep the ball because it goes out to the corner flag where John McGinn is standing, who's just taken the corner, <laughs> and he receives it, and we we work it again. But then there's another Watkins chance of some really nice interplay with him and Diaby. This is John McGinn starts it off. I mean, one thing, one thing Villa Park is really good at now is it's it smells blood and i think it's because everybody's so comfortable on the ball as well so once villa score once villa are on top the pressure really is amped up on the opposition team because everybody's just pinging the ball around and then they're all feeling good and they're all moving more in the space and they're flicking around corners and they're going again and and the crowd are up for it the the defenders are tired Jesus, it's it's really good when Villa get a lead. Sometimes it's really hard to see how they wouldn't win every match. Yeah, it, it, it was unbelievable football for this one. It looks so easy. And you're right to say pinging it around. I think, I, I think there are very few things I like more than a long-range one, too. I mean, Ollie Watkins and Diaby are about 20 metres away from each other, and they still manage to play a one-two around three or four West Ham <laughs> players. Ollie Watkins does really well to shuffle. And it is another good save from Ariola who... Sticks on a bra to cover that near post, I suppose. <laughs> and then Douglas Louise tried for his hat trick from the corner flag. Got got unlucky. Ariola <laughs> points it away. There's a few more nominations, but to be honest, I just started enjoying the game a bit more rather than taking note of every single shot that we had. And West Ham had a few chances as well, but I think there's only going to be one winner really, and it is. Is it Watkins or Conza? Actually, take your pick. Ah, it has to be Watkins. It's so stark. It's such a bad connection with a ball as well. At least Kanza gets it on target. And at least Kanza is a centre half. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I've got two players, three nominations. Bubakar Kamara was good today, but two What the Fuck moments. One of them was he just tried to chip the ball back out to Matt Cash out, out in the wing and it didn't make it over the first player's head. And. This led to a couple of shots that led to the Kanza handball after a corner. You know, one of those ones where I just go back a minute to see how did we end up losing this ball. And it's because 
it's because Kamara was dicking around the 2-0 up as well. And it was also Kamara who, that might have been the one you're on about, but he, he lobbed the ball up for Kahn's San Antonio. Like he just, Villar under so much pressure, the ball's bouncing in the, in the middle of the pitch. And our brilliant French midfielder just just gets a toe underneath it and puts it up for his centre-back to go up for a header with the West Ham striker. Yeah, but like maybe he also knew how Antonio was playing, so he thought this would be fine. <laughs> this is essentially just a pass to Ezri Kanza. <laughs> and then the other nomination, probably the winner. Well, can this count, actually? This would be an interesting discussion because I really want to include Emmy Martin as being closed down by Ward Price. What is he doing? What is he waiting on? He's just like, he's... It's actually amazing that he reacts by realising I have to kick this backwards. This is the only way this can go now. Otherwise, he's getting blocked down and going into the net. And it's unbelievable how he managed to pick out Pau Torres behind him on the byline with a drilled pass. And it's unbelievable that Pau Torres was able to keep control of it. But this is the thing. The, the, pass was, the pass was so good, so drilled, so accurate that he must have been intending to pass it to Torres all that time. What the fuck is he waiting for? I don't know. By the time he gets closed down, it's not like he's sucking the player in and then playing the ball past him. The player's now closer to Torres as well because he's closed down Martinez and Torres is behind him. It's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why he's I don't know why he keeps dwelling on the ball like this. I obviously know what we're trying to do, but sometimes as well the opposition aren't falling for it anymore. And we can move the ball a lot quicker. It's always easier to play the ball past people whenever there's two things moving. It can't just be our own players. If you're moving the ball around, you'll also move the players. You have to watch two things. They have to watch the opposition player and they have to watch the ball as well. I think it just gets into their head a bit more. Pass the ball, move it quicker than that. But if you're not going to move it that quickly, like he did in the second half, there was one where he just pinged it straight to Zaniolo's chest and Zaniolo gets dragged to the ground by Sufal. Do that more often. He pinged it to big Zaniolo's chest, you mean? I mean, <laughs> even Sufal and all the meat and hardness of him, he, he can't cope with big Zaniolo. And um, <laughs> the beauty of that, the beauty of that one was, yeah, he, that was the longest period. I think it was nil-nil where he was standing on the ball and it's one of those ones where it's like, come on, West Ham, we're not going to get this going until one of you show an interest here in pushing up. But he realised that this is West Ham perfectly. They're happy with this. They're, they're just going to sit back. But, but this is the, this is why it was so frustrating. West Ham were happy with this when they were three one down. <laughs> West Ham didn't come out of their shell in that game, other than for those ten minutes before yeah. or after Jarbone hit the ball off Luca Dean when he was trying to put it out for a goal kick. But but the beauty of it was that Villa don't need West Ham to push up. It's like okay, if you're not going to do that, I'll just pick out a sixty yard pass to a duel. But I know that McGinn and Zaniolo and Watkins can win these balls, so I'll wait for them to get up the pitch. I'll wait for them to get one on one, and I'll pick out big Zaniolo. Now. It doesn't matter if Sufal's on him. <laughs> the Emmy Martinez, Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting it? Shit, Housery award. Two Emmy Martinez nominations. Emmy Martinez doesn't know if he should use his hamstring or a sore hand to waste a bit of time. <laughs> He starts holding his hamstring initially and he stands up and starts shaking his hand and puts the ball back down and keeps shaking his hand. And then the dive, I mean, the one that catches the ball and then takes a dive 15 metres in the other direction. And not 15 metres, obviously. That'd be unbelievable. But David Moyes' reaction. And this this was the moment. This, this is what we should have seen more of. This was the moment that 
David Moore, you got caught in the crosshairs of Emmy Martin. <laughs> Just like a tractor beam sucked him right in and Moyes was not happy on the sideline as Martin is lay in the box. Didn't get a yellow card. But like, like you're talking about the James Ward Price free kick incident as being the worst refereeing decision you've seen this season. I think Martin is not being booked for that is the second worst. <laughs> How has he not booked him for that? He caught the ball, stood up, and then dived to the ground. It was fucking absolutely ridiculous. I would have booked him immediately. doesn't matter how long he holds the ball for after that. As soon as he does that, you know he is wasting time. You can now book him, David. You're allowed to book him. Fucking book him. Yeah, but you know what like, Sorry, if you can book somebody for kicking the ball away, you can book them for doing this. <laughs> but you know what the problem here is is that David Moyes was complaining about it and David Coot will not hear anybody telling him what he referee again <laughs> you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award oh I mean just it's just it's probably a customary one at this stage but one of the corner routines Douglas Louise to Diaby block down throw in halfway <laughs> I'm get actually a corner, a little... and we get a throw in halfway down the pitch I'm a little bit surprised at uh, Diaby there though, as well because Jared Bowen was doing nothing but dive in front of that ball. I'm surprised Diaby has spanked it instead of just walking past him. Yeah. All Diaby had to do there was put his studs in the ball and Bowen's going 10 yards past him. So I, that's what I was disappointed with there, not the actual routine. <laughs> the free kick. The free kick. I mean, th- th- this was actually interesting for a second because I was looking at Diaby standing over to thinking... We know you're not right-footed, Diaby. Like what? Mm. Nobody's being fooled by this. And it's a, nice, was. <laughs> it's a nice routine because Dougie's ball, the Kamara, was in the opposite direction of the two other runs where we were, our eyes were fixed. To. But then this, this, uh, as Peter Drury would say, this impeccably choreographed move was to get John McGinn a lash at the ball 25 yards out. Like what was the, like? It was good that we got the ball, the Kamara, but it was all to tee up John McGinn as far out as Luca Dean was and I have to tell you I would rather Luca Dean just have that shot from a stationary ball yeah we've talked about this before all this effort all this convoluted effort to get somebody into an equally difficult position to score from it's not like we've really shifted West Ham around there they've got all the players over at that side of the box who were there beforehand anyway and it was such a waste as well because the ball into Kamara works Kamara can turn he doesn't need to pop that off to John McGinn. He can just turn on that ball himself because West Ham really aren't expectant. So from that perspective, it's a really good routine. Unfortunately, that wasn't the routine. <laughs> okay, let's go to the Tim Sherwood. We play two number 10s and bamboozled them award. For their corners, Ollie Watkins at the near post. Here we go. Like, Why have we not seen this more? And like that big head that he got on over Zuma, that was brilliant. It actually... The ball came in with such pace. He got his neck behind it so much that he ended up getting knocked to the ground with the header, but it was such a good header to get the ball away. And he looked strong at that near post. It was good to see. Jesus, of course he looks strong. He looks strong. He looks strong everywhere he is. <laughs> and this was probably just a response to the fact that James Ward Price was standing over the corners. It's absolutely ridiculous that every time we have played Southampton or now West Ham, I am terrified when James Ward Price is standing over a set piece. He's so fucking good at them. Yeah. Like everyone is on them. It's going exactly where he wants it to go. It's really frustrating to be an opposition player conceding something. I know Aston Villa struggle defensively from set pieces, but to be feel that anxiety every time West Ham had a corner is just 
it's not fair. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'm trying to have a bit of lunch. I'm trying to enjoy myself. Why am I fucking getting anxious just because somebody's got a set piece 44 yards away from our front post? <laughs> the the other nomination I have is it's probably a, a more abstract one, but I said to you last week, I don't know if I said it on air, but you were whinging anyway about drama wolves. And I said, I mean, relax, we can't we can't win every game. But but maybe we can. <laughs> I actually don't see a reason why we couldn't. Why could we not just play like that and score? It's like it, 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 it's we've said this loads of times, and this is again part of the general nomination for everybody, the whole coaching staff. But Villa get the ball and they usually create a chance, and it feels like Villa can score four goals at least every game. I mean, do you, when have we ever supported Villa? See them four one up against West Ham. And and sort of a bit pissed off that they're not, you know, come on, go, f- come on, get forward. Like, we know you can score again. What are you doing? Like, we stop decking around, get forward and score. It's it's crazy. And this is why, like, the evidence is stacking up for me to believe that they actually could win every game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's apt that we're in the, the Tim Sherwood. Would we play two number 10s and bamboozled them award category because... Tim Sherwood was actually the last manager. Lovely, lovely, lovely and, recall. And this is this is just a terrifying <clears throat> fixture for me every year. I hate, I hate playing West Ham. <clears throat> Obviously, born out of the fact that we never beat West Ham. <laughs> but I remember at the start of, or during the summer, you said to me, "Are we just going to go through this season again, just passing the ball in straight lines through the midfield, and the opposition aren't going to be able to stop it?" <laughs> and we've got the answer nine games in, Conan. Yes, we are. We're just going to pass the ball into our midfielders who are going to be in 10 yards of space and they're going to look to play it to Ollie Watkins or Musa Diaby. It's <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when I see Emery you know, bouncing off the pitch, like let, let's get ready for the next game. When I see Villa play, it, it, it does make you think, what, what are all our managers doing? When I, when I spend waste a Saturday evening watching United struggle against Sheffield United, getting their makeshift left-back to dig them out of a hole with a screamer to win 2-1 away at Sheffield United. I'm wondering, what is Ten Hag doing? Like, what are they working on? And with Villa, it's very clear what they're working on. But it looks so simple. And it's like, why can't everybody else just do that? Pass the, like, <laughs> get into those positions, pass the ball vertically up the pitch <laughs> and keep doing that. You'll get a chance. Then when you lose the ball, get back into your four four two position. <laughs> just be disciplined. And then when you lose the ball. Yeah, it's, it, it is ridiculous. And you're asking, can we just keep one? And I think our next three, our next three games in the league are Luton, Forest and Fulham. I don't know when I win this, Colin. No, no, let's not get too too far ahead of ourselves. Now that you said that, now that there's something on the line to, <laughs> to lose. Let's go to the, you already jumped ahead with the John Gregory. If I had a gun, I would have shot him, quote of the week. But Leon Bailey and Douglas Louise were being interviewed after the game. Leon Bailey was asked about Aston Villa being two points off the top of the Premier League. And Leon Bailey said, sky is the limit. And you know what else he said? He has been emeryified. He said, sky is the limit, but we move on to the next big game on Thursday. Focus on that. Keep looking at the next. <laughs> this is just brilliant stuff. 
I know he scored today, so obviously he was optimistic and happy. But just even seeing Leon Bailey come off the pitch, even I said he's playing differently. He looks like a different player. The way he was celebrating was different, Conan. All that tight core and screaming down the camera up the villa. That comment afterwards, it was so mature. A load of stuff again that I wouldn't have associated with Leon Bailey. And it's great to see it. I'm sure the next quote of the week is going to be the interview's questioner to Douglas Louise. <laughs> is it about about Douglas Louise's celebration? Because no, he, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because I had that initially in questions we can't answer. And when this interviewer said this, I spat my tea out and thought this is <laughs> This is a guy I can do business with. This is somebody in the media I want to be pals with. He's asked a question that was on all our lips. What was the fishing rod celebration? And I was like, is it is it Champions League? Is it Man City? Is he reading in the top of the league? Is he saying we're coming for you? Like you get onto our hook, everybody, because we we are about to rope you all in. And he just said, I like fishing so much. Every time I go to Brazil, I'm fishing with my dad and my family. Yeah. And I, I knew you, you'd be a big fan of this, Conan. But, you know, the follow-up question then as well. Go on, tell us more. This isn't the fucking Fozcast. <laughs> Douglas Louise has just scored two goals. Records are tumbling. Villa are fucking marching. The game has just finished. We're two points off the top. This isn't the time for a fluff piece. Get the fucking raw emotion out of them. Leave the fucking stupid questions to Conan Doherty on the Villa podcast after the game. We don't have Douglas. He's interviewing me, not fucking Douglas Louise. You don't understand what sort of position you're in here. Nobody go on, tell us more. What sort of fishing are you doing? What kind of fishing? He thought this was appropriate after a match. What kind of fishing do you do, Douglas? <laughs> In fairness, it's consistent as well, this fluff piece stuff, because I was watching the Arsenal match as well, and I saw Declan Rice come again every single time Arsenal play, Declan Rice has been interviewed. That's why I got out of there, went to the kitchen, made a cup of tea, came back in, and Declan Rice just finished another interview. And Kelly Kate said, Declan Rice there talking about how he used to play for Chelsea. And I said, What? what? Why? Why was Declan Rice talking about being let go from Chelsea at 12 years of age? You know, that's why it means so much for me to draw at Chelsea now, too. too. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing league match. So they are consistent with this, but Douglas Louise also, uh, I don't know if this should be a quote of the week, but I just loved how you, I don't, just like ignored the question. The question was, why why were why was everybody arguing with you about the penalty? Which was, you know, another brilliant question from this interview. And <laughs> Douglas Louise said, <laughs> he said, I'm so happy to take a responsibility and step up and take them. <laughs> <laughs> and your mind just moved on. Back to fishing. Oh, yeah, well, he did move back to fishing. If you're out there again, make sure you catch me a salmon. I like salmon. <laughs> I like salmon. <laughs> Let's do the vitamin meter. What do we think of Bailey Socks? Genuinely, because this is this is a new look, and it's a new look, Leon Bailey. It's a deadly Leon Bailey. I would make the Jack Grealish comparison, but I mean, it's been a long time since Jack Grealish has done that. Maybe it's Aston Villa socks wearing them like that. I always think it looks better when the socks are a little bit rolled down anyway. But Leon Bailey just burst onto the scene, a new Leon Bailey with these socks. I I don't know what you're talking about. The socks, <laughs> don't tell me he didn't notice the socks. They're, they're, they're halfway up his calf. It's like they're pulled down. 
I, 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 I genuinely didn't notice Liam Bailey's socks, Colin. I'm sorry. I am. I am genuinely sorry. Much like you should be, seeing as four years ago, you text me and said, I'm thinking about doing an Aston Villa podcast. Do you want to be a part of it? And four years ago, I assumed I was going to be doing an Aston Villa podcast. <laughs> going up, John McGinn's arse put Paqueta to the ground. Sky seemed to miss that one. <laughs> going up, <laughs> going up, big Zaniolo, just because of the way he was treating Sufal out there. And I thought he was really good as well. Going up, maybe he doesn't deserve to go up as far because he's so high up already and because he was dicking around a little bit in that second half. But Douglas O'Ee singing, singing hi-ho Aston Villa after the game. That's just great to see. Yeah, that was great to see. And you're right to pick out Zaniolo's performance as well because we don't have a great history with a Sufa lad, do we? I mean, that season under Dean Smith when we were flying for us, <laughs> Sufal was the first player and the only player up until January to get the grips with Jack Grealish and he absolutely destroyed him he actually completely outplayed Grealish Grealish was dreadful in that game and I was thinking Jesus Christ who's this lad what's he doing at West Ham he's fucking obviously the best right back in the world if this is the sort of performance he's putting in and ever since then he constantly seems to just be a thorn in our side obviously a very good very tough right back as well but I can't fucking stand him. Can't stand watching him play against Aston Villa because he constantly has the upper hand. Now, you know, he nutmegged Zaniolo, but I think it's fair to say that Zaniolo had a better performance on him today. Oh, he did. He did. I'm going to give you one option to go down. And, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit cheeky here with it, but Diaby. And I love Diaby. And this is this is all in the backdrop of me only a few weeks ago saying, I think this boy could be the best player in the world right now. <laughs> we just need to get it out of him. But I mean, more so Diaby on the counter-attacks, right? Because he doesn't get that much space that often. And sometimes I do feel a bit sorry for him the way we slow the ball down, we get everybody in, we pin them back and we're, we're comfortable with that. It doesn't really suit Diaby though, especially if he's not playing as one of the wide players. He's just up there with Watkins and Watkins knows how to handle that. Watkins knows the Barclays ball. He knows how to get around us. But Diaby sometimes, actually, he's, he's setting up Watkins a lot in fairness as well. <laughs> he's, he's really good in general. It's going down Diaby on the counter. I mean, especially there was one there like a couple of times when he was getting away. You're like, okay, here you go. Here's your chance. I know you're asking a lot from him to go 60 yards up the pitch and score a goal. But, but there, <laughs> there was one where it was 2v2 and they were so excited in the commentary box and you just want to see him take, I think it was Zuma, take him on take him on and he just played a really bad pass to John McGinn and ah, you know that was just a bit come on I've got a higher ceiling for you than this yeah I know you don't like the fact that he constantly makes the right decision so that must be great for you um, but <laughs> that that one like it's it's the it's not a terrible ball to John McGinn it's a really good ball if he doesn't bobble it into him to spot the, the spot him there was great Watkins didn't get free for him I mean the I think it was Aguard was covering Watkins and he covered him really well. So Diaby never thought that the pass was on, but you're right. I think he needs to just go past or try to go past Zuma there. You know, worst case scenario, he'll probably win a corner because Zuma's going to be last ditch defending there. I think he can just try to knock it around him. Mm. The fact that he doesn't do that, then gets his head up and then picks out our on rushing midfielder with a 25 yard pass across the edge of the box is still pretty impressive. The fact that he bobbles him into him isn't great. <laughs> Uh, that that acquired boy is really fast. There was um, a couple of times where you know Watkins was breaking. Now Watkins definitely could have played Diaby in one time, but a few other times where Diaby, I guess this is Diaby as well. He's trying to 
burst free to be a passing option to Watkins and Aguero's just covering him. Very impressive. Keep an eye on that boy. His speed anyway. But Diaby was actually putting together his perfect footballer as well. You know, when you get them, they pick guy with the head, guy with the feet, guy with the speed or whatever. He picked himself twice. <laughs> <laughs> How is he knocking up in the Vimeo meter, Conan? If that's the sort of stuff, that is absolute fodder from you. That's, that's, I can't believe that's only come up now, you know, you're into the podcast. Fucking hell. Why are you even keeping that one? You must have just been rocking on your seat waiting to oh, tell me that. I was just going to say, I talked myself back around. It was just like, you know, speed. He said, Musa. <laughs> <laughs> left foot Musa and I can't remember the other player he picked Kanate actually for strength and somebody else for head I can't remember who it was for head but yeah, he picked himself two, two out of four of the best players the, the ultimate football player Diaby wants himself in it 50% of the way but yeah going down you know another thing I have going down is Aston Villa's ability to keep an eye on the clock I'm fed up watching them running their own clock down at the end of the first half when they've got a team penned and just let them know, let them know that you know, lads, are ten seconds left, so you might as well try and score here. Just, just yeah. wing one in. It's just a bit annoying. It's just a bit of game management. Yeah, I, I didn't get the balance right there, and Emery certainly didn't seem to think so afterwards. Where they obviously have to keep control of the game, keep control of the game with possession, but they also, and Emery even said this himself, they have to score another goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible that Emery's given out about not trying to score another goal in a game we just won four one. Um <laughs> but he's right, yeah. I think we I think we can definitely push it whenever we're in the last ten seconds of stoppage time in the game. And we had opportunities there as well. West Ham were very ragged. We had the ball high up in their half. We can risk something here. Yeah. Going up Kanza, obviously. Going up, look at Dean just chipping away there at left back all season. Great, great fella. Going up, Matt Cash. I slag Matt Cash at the start of the year, called him agricultural cash. I like that he's agricultural. I mean, he's got that bit of rawness, bit of toughness, and he's, he's, a, he's a farmer with style. Like He's actually <laughs> obviously a great little player as well, proving me wrong more and more. But it, like the thing about Matt Cash is, you know, sometimes when you've got a bit of a press on and if somebody would just show a bit more energy, and read the ball a second quicker, they would be able to nip in. Matt Cash does that all the fucking time. So, you know, when Diaby might just be coming a little bit late and again pushing up, and if that ball goes towards Matt Cash's man, he is nicking in. And if he's not nicking in, he is drilling him from behind. He's just, uh, sometimes he's just so on it aggressively. It's really nice to watch. Yeah, there was a moment there where he did a diving header over the crossbar for to block a shot from West Ham, a volley from West Ham. And Martinez was annoyed at him. Like, oh, Matt Cash just threw harsh. his head at a fucking volley. I know Martinez is there behind them and probably going to catch it. Does Emmy Martinez really want Matt Cash to not dive and put his body and literally put his fucking face on the line for him? Give it out to him for heading the ball over the fucking bar with a diving header. <laughs> Anybody else you want to go up? No, I think I think we've got it all there. And Conza was definitely obviously. Bailey, obviously, yeah. Conza was obviously absolutely brilliant. I think Conza would, would have been my man in the match in that game. I think he was so clean on the ball; it was it was incredible and so strong defensively. Obviously, questions we can't answer, but probably will, is a question that I just want answered from you. Are you actually going to buy another Ireland season ticket? <laughs> <laughs> Punished ourselves, went to the Greece game, just chatted the whole time, got a good catch up at it. 
bit of drama in the crowd, which was absolutely brilliant. We have 10 minutes, we were entertained. The crowd were keeping the ball away from a steward who was showing a ridiculous amount of interest in getting a ball back off 10,000 people. What was he doing? <laughs> Everybody just taking the piss out of him, throwing the ball over his head. And then another ball goes into the crowd. And the race, the race from one of the young lads and a steward to get to that ball first was the most thrilling thing. I'm not joking. It was genuinely thrilling and definitely the most thrilling thing of that night. And meanwhile, the Ireland-Greece qualifier match is happening right in front of us. But that was the best thing to happen. And that was literally happening right in front of that race as well. And I can only see it from the corner of my eye. Ireland had two corners in that moment, but I couldn't look at it. I couldn't take my eyes off the fucking young fella running across the back of the stadium. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and just another, another glorious international break. I mean, <laughs> I think to be honest, the best thing about the international break these days is that you... I, I have to listen to you less shoehorning in conversations about fashion, you know, pun intended there, whenever, whenever you're talking to me, because I can just I can just either hang up or walk away from you, like when I'm on the fucking podcast. But like the actual best thing is when you're sitting in the stand watching watching Josh Cullen take a, a step back in behind the Greek centre forward so that he can't receive the ball in midfield. You're given plenty of opportunities to take a step back yourself and contemplate the fact that we used to look forward to these breaks, not because watching Josh Cullen in 10 yards of space pinging the ball back to his goalkeeper was ever fun, but because the weekly grind of watching Stephen Gerrard's Aston Fulla necessitated a fucking break. And even if that break involved the fucking watching the other great love of your life being shat on as well, you know, at least it was a fucking different arse doing it. So now we don't have that. I thought I'd come to that stage in my cycle of watching Ireland where I had just had completely given myself over the apathy, you know, just, just fucking tired. And I thought that was as low as it can get for a football fan of your national team as well. I thought that was, I couldn't get any lower than just sitting in a stadium thinking, what is the point of this? But then I saw Shane Duffy, the Ireland captain, and that's not the end of the sentence, but it very well could be. I saw (laughs) Shane Duffy, the Ireland captain, running over to take a throw-in when the ball was already in play 30 yards up the field. <laughs> Chidozi and Benny is holding the ball up on the right wing, looking for an option. And the Ireland captain is holding a different ball up above his head, trying to take a fucking throw-in. And all I could think in that moment, other than I would feel sorry having invited Khan to this game if it wasn't for the fact that he was a plonker. The only other thing I could think is I cannot believe that the FAI, of all the stupid things they have ever done, they sent around a reminder to renew your season tickets today. Today, the day the fucking Ireland captain is standing trying to take a throw-in while the game is already fucking happening. <laughs> a player to add to the would-you-sign-that-player-just-in-case list, Chidozi Igbeni. Another goal for Luton there yesterday as well. This guy is electric of all the shit that we have to watch. And I do remember that. Like, not only is he the captain, not only is he still playing, not only is he the centre half taking a throw in, the ball is already <laughs> in play. But Benny was the one bright spark of that match. They took him off, but he was really good while he was on. <laughs> but it was like Benny understood what international football was. It was a bunch of players. If you're not playing the four or five top nations. You aren't very good at football. It was the reserve left back for Liverpool. Run at him. Like it's grand. 
<laughs> and nobody else in the Ireland team seemed to think that this was a possibility. Yeah. Let's leave it there. This was another hell of a weekend, another brilliant result. It's been just over one year now since Stephen Gerrard got ousted as Aston Villa manager. Just over a year. Look how far we've come already. You know, Emery said during the week, he said when he came in, he told the players, I'm not here to waste time. <laughs> and this boy is in a hurry. As quickly as he's walking off after every victory, we are hurrying <laughs> up the league. We're hurrying our progression. Just enjoy the ride. It's going to be fast and it's going to be fucking brilliant. It's already great. Anyway, we will chat to you soon. All the best. Enjoy. That wind is calling my name. And I-